two guys, one ampersand. I probably stayed up late watching too much television as a child. Stuff I probably shouldn't have been watching either. Certainly not without parental supervision. I'll just say this. We had HBO. Mixed in between Late Night with Letterman on school nights and rated R films from the home box office on the weekends, however, was another more wholesome Late Night mainstay. Siskel and Ebert. Sure, Albany, New York, population 97,856, is no Albany, Wyoming, population 55, but still, a just barely pubescent boy in upstate New York should not be spending his Saturday nights watching Siskel and Ebert. There are better things to do. He should be out with his friends blowing up mailboxes with M-80s, trying to get to first base with Emily Deerstein, and failing, and trying to get drunk on non-alcoholic beers thinking he's getting away with something. But no, I was doing none of those things. Next time, Deerstein. Next time. No, instead I spent my Saturday nights in front of the television watching two middle-aged men in Chicago bicker about cinema on an obviously fake movie theater balcony set. Siskel and Ebert aired every Saturday night on the local ABC affiliate in Albany. It was a half-hour show during which Gene Siskel of the Chicago Tribune and Robert Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times reviewed movies. They'd usually cover about five or six movies in that half hour, so it was fast-paced and, depending on the movies being reviewed, an amazing battle of wits, and frequently bald jokes and fat jokes. Some have called Siskel and Ebert the original frenemies, but unfortunately Steve Jobs and Bill Gates beat them to that honor by a few years. Possibly Mario and Bowser as well. And Michael Jackson and Prince. And John Adams and Thomas Jefferson. Right, moving on. Still, frenemies is a fair assessment of the Gene Siskel and Robert Ebert relationship. Clearly they enjoyed each other's company up on that fake balcony, but there were definitely many times when it seemed like they were going to throw each other off that balcony as well. The best episodes of Siskel and Ebert had nothing to do with the quality of films being reviewed. In fact, the best episodes usually involved the worst movies. Good movies were always going to get two thumbs up, and mediocre movies aren't worth arguing over. It's the bad movies that were the wild cards that spurned debate. To this day, I still remember them arguing about don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. Ebert felt guilty laughing at the jokes that were lampooning important movies, while Siskel thought it was a well-made satire of the genre. It doesn't get any better than watching two middle-aged white dudes having a serious argument over the merits of a so-so Wayne Brothers spoof of critically acclaimed movies about race. That's just good television. For the record, I agree with Siskel on that one. Even when they were on the same page, it was entertaining, though. Like that time they inexplicably gave two thumbs up to Booty Call. Perhaps the most important thing Siskel and Ebert did was highlight movies the general public would have never known about otherwise. When they weren't fighting over Wayans's or hoping for a booty call sequel, they were pushing movies with subtitles directed by oppressed minorities shot on 4mm film stock documenting civil wars in countries that no longer exist. Couple of hipsters, those two. Gene Siskel passed away in 1999. It's a good thing I'm not a betting man, because I would have never put money on Roger Ebert outliving him by a decade and a half. I also would have never put money on Ebert liking Cop and a Half, either. Ebert, man. Dude was unpredictable. When news broke of Ebert's death yesterday, it felt like the end of an era. Roger Ebert wasn't always right. Cop and a Half, don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood, knowing, seriously, four stars, video games. But he was always an interesting read. 
I watched some Ebert and Roper after Gene Siskel died. It was fine, but it wasn't the same. Roger and Richard didn't have the same chemistry that Roger and Gene had. There's probably a Sam and Diane versus Sam and Rebecca analogy here, but I'm going to let you guys handle that one. Sure, part of the reason Ebert and Roper wasn't the same as Siskel and Ebert was the chemistry between the two dudes up in that balcony, but I think it was also a matter of timing. Apart from a 30-second TV spot here and there, in the mostly pre-internet world of Siskel and Ebert, their show was the only way outside of the multiplex to get a feeling for what was coming soon to a theater near you. But in the Ebert and Roper days of 1999, in a mostly interneted world, it was a whole new ballgame. Speaking of ballgames, thumbs down to Field of Dreams? Seriously, Siskel? In the 21st century, however, Rotten Tomatoes is my go-to critic of what's worth seeing. Sure, I'll still read some reviews, but no more of Ebert's sad face. But the days of listening to the opinions of a single film critic or a dynamic duo are over. That said, if Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert were still alive and reviewing films, I'd still be watching. I grew up with those two. Rotten Tomatoes is just a bunch of numbers. Siskel and Ebert were the faces behind those numbers, bald and fat as they may be. Rest in peace, you grumpy fellas.